Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Ladies and gentlemen, there comes a time in everyone's life when they discover this person um, and then they discover this person again in a different way and then a different way and then a different way. Is this our differentest way of all? This man is like a house of mirrors, Jackie. I mean, I when I began this work, I still feel that he is an enigma to me, that he is the Riddler in a sense. I laughed. I cried. I don't <laughs> I laughed. know how I to laughed a lot. feel, though. You know what I mean? This is the funniest thing I've ever researched, Jackie. Of course, we should intro it now. Today, we are doing an episode, our very first ever page seven history lesson. We are doing our pop history lesson on none other than John Travolta. How could we not start it off with John Travolta? He is, you know, he's sort of like, I, I can't think of page seven without thinking about John Travolta. It should, honestly, the podcast should be called John Travolta. I would, you know I, I mean, mean I, there's definitely enough information to talk about him for 100,000 years. <laughs> because especially going back through the, just the idea of John Travolta and not even realizing, man, this dude is inspirational. Yeah, He has worked from just the, the, the second he could to be exactly what he is. The tiniest dancer. Just, you know, he's just the <laughs> cutest. And But he has worked his fucking ass off for everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, now here's, and then, and then also a member of a cult. We've got death. We've got piloting. There's just so And much. also all of the allegations. There's, there's uh. a lot of different, I feel like they're, like John Travolta is a, he's a diamond and how multifaceted. It depends on which way you're looking at him to right. see what you want to see. The House of Mirrors. It's a House of Mirrors. I will say, too, um, you know, usually uh, we, what we refer to it as on Wizard of the Bruiser is the gush. In other words, what is your personal experience with John Travolta before we get into his full life story? Um, I know for me personally, I I guess Greece was probably my first experience with John Travolta. I wasn't. I I have an admission to make, and this is something I need to rectify in the next week or so. I've never seen Saturday Night Fever, and I feel like I owe. I, I feel like it is a disservice that I've done to the country not seeing that movie. I was saying the same thing while doing this research about Urban Cowboy. Yeah, I oh, haven't, you haven't seen, seen Urban, Urban Cow- Cowboy. Watch. That was like that afternoon movie that was just always on. I feel yeah. like on Sunday afternoon. I watched a lot of like. 
daytime TV. I'm bored out of my mind as a kid. Uh, heavily, you know, edited for content daytime movies. And uh, Urban yes. Cowboy was just always kind of on. So I don't yeah. know if I've ever sat down and watched it from beginning to end, but I've seen the movie essentially. Well, you should get on Saturday Night Fever because it is fun, and I will yeah. watch Urban Cowboy, and then we will talk. Because the thing is, is that I think where I first fell in love with John Travolta because I think it's just technically because of my age is Look Who's Talking. Oh, I thought you were going to say Pulp Fiction, but of course Look Who's Talking. I forgot about I, – I keep forgetting about Look Who's Talking, and then I see it was a movie, and I'm like, God damn, stuff was weird in the 90s. It was such a weird movie, but <laughs> also I completely movie. loved him. And actually there's – in an interview he said that that is the – character that is the closest to who he is in real life. That's which hilarious. Which made me fall in love with him even more. I loved him in Look Who's Talking. He he had great chemistry with what Chris, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. Right? Yeah, they were great together in that movie. That movie was so weird. By the way, that just made me realize we could almost do an entire bonus episode on talking baby and animal movies of the 90s. Yeah, so that's Because like specifically at that time in the 90s, Everything was talking that shouldn't be talking. Talking everything. Memory? Well, even in the look he's talking, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, when they had the talking toilet. Right. Because he wouldn't go pee-pee in the potty. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah. Ugh. I know, I know. Let's get back to John Travolta. Yes, though, yes. Also, though, but but then, right, because I remember, I think one of my first times of, of looking at John Travolta as, like, a cool, actual cool dude, is he's just, like, a caricature to me in Greece. He's right. just, like, a dude bro, and, look, he's talking. But Pulp Fiction was like, what? What is this? And, I mean, Pulp Fiction is incredible for so many reasons, but that was definitely the first time I took him seriously yes. as an actor. And then, you know, you have this incredible, I mean, every action movie seemed to have John Travolta in it. Face Off, Broken Arrow. There was, he just had this big career Well, that high. was like the third resurgence of John Travolta yes. because I didn't even think about that until I was doing this research where it's like, man, you're right, because he became crazy famous in like the three years of movies he made. For, for action shit. So it yes. was like, he's a dancer boy, super famous for that. Well, I guess there's also uh, uh, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Well, which is dancer, like, he was he was bad boy, singer, dancer, love interest. Back to bad boy, back to singer, dancer. Yes. And, and then into the, all right, so let's get into it. Um, here we go. Uh, let's start with the beginning. And now he just straight kind of creeps me out, which is like the best. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, he freaks know, me out. but then reading through all this stuff, like, as much as he definitely creeps me out, and I have a lot of feelings about a lot of different of the mirrors that I look into John Travolta, but like you can't, you can't look at him and say, "Man, though, he's definitely been busting his fucking ass." Sure, but he's got an odd facial structure that, that makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes. Well, he kind of looks like a wolf. And then, and and come on, and then also, by the way. He is he is a part of some of the greatest films arguably ever made. With Saturday Night Fever is like up on the list. Grease is even kind of up in the list if if you like that sort of thing. Pulp Fiction, one of the best movies ever made, and then also one of the worst films of all time yes. with Battlefield Earth. It is unbelievable. Battlefield Earth, which also in reading through a bunch of the research, Battlefield Earth <laughs> ruined him. It yes, ruined him all after again. his other resurgence because again. now you see it is the old dogs. It is like it is like the the, the, the wild hogs. The wild hogs. Yeah, like the fact that he does these movies that he doesn't even need to do. Yeah, I don't but know he why does he's them just because he can't not keep working. He's just unchained. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Uh, okay, so let's let's take it from the very beginning. Born in 1954 in Inglewood, New Jersey, he was the youngest of six kids, and he was in a showbiz family. Mm-hmm. His father was a semi-pro football player turned tire salesman, and his mother was an actress slash singer who appeared in the radio vocal group The Sunshine Sisters. The Sunshine Sisters. <laughs> Before becoming a high school trauma and English teacher. All of his uh, siblings acted. He said this is the he had this to say about the first time he danced in public. My mom was an actress and a drama teacher, and she was directing the local Fourth of July pageant in our town. It was 1962, and everybody was doing the twist. So little Johnny Travolta convinced his mom to give him a shot. I went out on stage and twisted for like 15 minutes. I was on way too long, and people were yawning, but I didn't care. And then of course he ends up. That the first time he danced, one of the most iconic scenes in film history, a Johnny Travolta doing the twist. Right? That is it, baby. He dropped out of high school as a junior at just 17 years old, by the way, in order to move to New York City. Well, then he almost immediately started, which I didn't realize he was in the touring company of Greece before being in the movie Greece. Which one is duty? Which one is duty in Greece? I don't even I don't know Greece well enough. What do you think about Greece, by the way? Do you? I was recently talking because I have a friend who we've been going back and forth because, you know, Cats is all the chat right now. Of course. uh, My friend Jeff, who I do cocktails with uh, on my stream, he has, like, an irrational hatred of Greece. I hate Greece. You hate Greece. Okay, good. I really hate Greece. I really, really, really hate Greece. And I think that most people, especially if you've worked in musical theater before, you either love Greece or you hate Greece. I like Greece. Um, Have you ever been in a production of Greece, though? No, I think if I was, I would That's it. And I've been in a couple of musicals. I'm going to say four or five musicals. And I love the other musicals I've been in, but Greece. I don't love Greece. I like that it's a little dirty. I like a few of the songs. Um, h- hilariously enough, the song I probably liked the most was wasn't in the original musical, which is the opening. Uh, Greece, it's the word, it's the word, it's the feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I mean, it is. It also, it's the third highest grossing movie of all time. So obviously, they're doing. They did something right. Well, and and we will get into that later because that made him uh, and Olivia Newton-John uh, co-singers on one of the most successful duets of all time, which might lead to a future project, which we'll get into. Interesting. So he starts out as. The, the, uh, by the way, Grease started out as a Chicago musical in 1971 before moving to Broadway. I did not know that. Interesting. He, he also got a role on a Broadway show called Over Here. Over Here, Over Here. Over Here, Over Here, <laughs> about a train trip in the U.S. during World War II, yeah. and he sang, he got, his big song was called Dream Drummin'. Oh, John Trump. <laughs> oh, baby. He had the spark in his eye, which he is also did. around the time that he was changing from Roman Catholicism to Scientology. So he moves to L.A. and lands his first on-screen role in 1972 with the medical drama Emergency! And and then he gets a a horror film in 1975 called The Devil's Reign. Which now I kind of want to look up The Devil's Reign. I kind of want to watch The Devil's Reign because based on the description, it looks pretty spooky, kooky, dooky. Uh, and, and during this time, Travolta, while on set filming The Devil's Reign, I believe this is in Mexico or something, he's, he's handed a copy of the L. Ron Hubbard canonical text of Scientology titled Dianetics, and he has since been a practitioner of the cult. Um, so that's 
early. He was born in 1954, so do the math. That's tw- he was 21. Yeah, when he it's started very early. They got him young. His first big role was after that. Oh, surprisingly, he starts getting really big roles after that. Very, very surprising. With the uh, as the bully in the horror film Carrie, I don't really remember him for Carrie though. You know I don't I mean? remember him specifically, but I remember all the bullies. I imagine it's one of those, you know. Where... You know, yeah. He had the long, he had the Cotter look, right? The long, he was like tough guy looking with the Cotter. long hair. Oh yeah, that was when he was at his sexiest. That's sexiest. That I was mean. his his big break after Carrie. Um, I guess in seventy six, seventy seven. It was uh, around that time he gets the role of Vinny Barbarino in the TV sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter, about Yummy. a remedial classroom of loafers called the Sweat Hogs. Did you watch much of it? For me, that was like just before my TV watching time. My older sister watched a lot of Welcome Back, Cotter, and I remember the uppy nose with the rubber hose, <laughs> and we would say that in our family a lot, even though no one said it quite like that, which I did include this. Um, so apparently Welcome Back, Cotter was based on Gabe Kaplan, who played Mr. Cotter's stand-up, so he that's why mm-hmm. like he was the lead in the show. Yes. And Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose was actually used to be Up Your Hole with a Mellow Roll, which was an <laughs> ice cream cone shape in the 1960s, but it was too naughty for television, so they changed it to Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose. Up your hole! I like that shit. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that tale of fucking <laughs> bizarreness. John Travolta said this about auditioning for the part of Vinnie Barbarino. I remember I went shopping on Hollywood Boulevard for, in my neck of the woods, New Jersey, we called Nikki Newark Clothes. They were polyester, late 60s-looking greaser hoodlum-type clothes. I just went full-on having to be this guy. I felt like I needed the, to dress the part, come in and knock him out, and so I did. At this point, method acting was very big. Even on a TV show like Welcome Back, Cotter, ev- they all pretended to be these super obnoxious high school kids all day. Apparently, like most everyone who ever guest-starred on the show refused to ever do the show again after doing it once. Because Why? Because they were terrible? Because they were just acted like assholes. Like what? they acted like those kids the whole time shooting and they were like a little click you know what I mean so they would just like you know spitballs and do an obnoxious shit I mean can you imagine like being around a bunch of fucking adult grown adults acting like asshole high school kids no that also had a bunch of money and could actually technically do whatever they wanted no yeah yeah and so it was like really ridiculous but um they had fun I guess but yeah that sounds obnoxious yes um so after that man this is when his career really starts ripping and rocking this is the swing in 1970s cocaine is fuck you could do a cocaine Ooh, it is flying yeah you, there's literally a service you could call to like get a woman to show up with cocaine in her ass you could do it out of her asshole <laughs> can you do it off for roller skates though or do you have to pay extra <laughs> exactly you could do it off for roller skates there was literally um uh yeah there was men who would show up and just like do cocaine off their own dicks that's a, I don't even know how they did it, but I want to be there. You know, there are there is a I'm gonna say 20 percent of me that is pretty sad that I didn't live in the 70s. I oh, will yeah. say my my body type does not fit in in the 70s, even more so than it does not fit in in the year 2019. But I think that uh, just the idea of never stopping partying and always uh-huh. doing drugs sure. and it being like technically like fine and cool to do all these things at least of what we think of the 1970s that sounds like a lot of fun one thing that i don't think about is the fact that he had like weirdly a hit singing career around this time and 1976 he had a hit single with let her in which i've never even heard 
Like, but do it you reached know this? number 10 on the U.S. Billboard Top 100. I know, Jackie. What the fuck is happening? I don't I know. I don't know this song at all. And this is like before this. Grease hadn't even happened yet. No, this is. So he released. What I love, though, is that his first album was called John Travolta. Yes, it was just called great. John Travolta. Reached number 39 on the charts. Kind of insane. And then Can't Let You Go, which came yeah. out a year after. And then in 1978, along with the Grease soundtrack, he released Travolta Fever. Um, yeah, and- I mean, you know, I think that he... You know, I don't even think it was him at this time that wanted, like, that thought that he could, like, fly to the moon and back by himself. I feel like it was the people around him that was like, this is the star. This is the one that we're going to put all of our money in. Yeah, yeah, no, he's the one that's going to make us all the money, which he eventually did. But I think that they knew this. Like, I think he was being bred for this, which is probably, right. especially in Scientology and things like that, where oh, I think yeah. that a lot of him feeling the need to hide who he is and hide everything about himself really was solidified because there wasn't time for him to be himself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he knows at all who he is at this point. That's my guess. Uh, By the way, a few... uh, So Travolta Fever was actually a compilation album featuring songs from his other records. So um, uh, here are a couple of the songs. I don't know what I like about you, baby. I don't know what I like about you, baby. Also, uh, track number five on side one is just called Razzmatazz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you sure it's not from the musical Cats? It, 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 probably, like- it probably is. Uh, side two, Good Night, Mr. Moon. Oh, you also yeah. have uh, You Set My Dreams to Music. The 70s. Easy Evil. Easy Evil. Right Again, there, I so. think that it has a lot to do with the things that he's hiding within himself. <laughs> That's the easy evil, those things he's that you just, just talking don't about talk his butt. about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's my easy evil. Uh, oh. Uh. So, like, this album thing happens, but the big thing that happens right around here is uh, starring as Tony Monero in Saturday Night Fever. Oh, but what about the boy in the plastic bubble hole? Yeah, we didn't really talk. I don't. Do you Have you seen that? Dude, I haven't, but this is where. See, this is where I got. I. I went down quite some wormholes with this. Oh yeah, dude. Because see, the reason, the only reason why I bring up the boy in the plastic bubble is that I think that this is a big thing of why he is so fucked up emotionally and when it comes to relationships. So when he was in the boy in the plastic bubble, have we talked about this before on page seven? I don't know if you or if you were. No, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. So John Travolta (laughs) was 18 years old, and it was one of his first roles. And he started dating Diana Highland, who was the 40-year-old woman that played his mother in the movie. Whoa, that's fucking hot, dude. They dated for a year and a half. And in that year and a half, she got breast cancer. And he stayed with her through the chemo. And she died in his arms at the age of 41. Whoa. And so Diana Highland won an Emmy for her performance in The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and Travolta accepted it on her behalf. Oh, my God. And it's the kind of thing that in all of this like weird research I was doing, her name kept coming up because he would bring her up constantly, especially like in his really dark times, that like oh. I think he was really fucked up by this woman that like I think he did truly love. And I think that that's why, again, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get into all of the allegations and stuff like that, but I think that he had a really fucked up perce- like, perception of what love is and what love could be. 
Well, what do you think? So a bit of a Forrest Gump, huh? Or an op anti-Gump. Yeah. Um, do you think, because uh, uh, he is really smart, but he, he, he doesn't know what love Which is. Which also, you know? it's weird that you brought that up, but we'll get to that later. I don't know if you saw my other <laughs> trivia facts no, about Forrest Gump. No, I didn't. Actually, I did. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say to you, uh, do you think in all your research, and this is all speculation here, do you think he's bi then? I think he's pansexual. Like, I feel like it, it I really do think. Like he plays the flute? Yes, he, he, I think he plays fucking... the flute and whatever genitals go in front of him is what he has sex with, yeah. <laughs> with goat hooves, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pansexual. But if you think about it, he went from being raised strict Catholic to right. becoming a Scientologist. And neither one of those cults slash religions is homosexuality of any sort condoned. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So oh, I is think, it weird inside? I didn't know that it was weird inside. I was kind of surprised to hear that. It's oh, weird yeah. Scientology is, is very... Super no, no, no. homophobic? That's Oh, no, weird. no, yeah. Why? They are very you homophobic. They, you would think they, of all the cults, whatever, would be the most, like, open to that with all the celebrities running through there and everything. And It has a lot to do with, like, the demons that are inside of you and all that kind of shit. Oh, like, God. Ugh. It's gr- it's gross. <laughs> John Travolta said about getting the part Saturday Night Fever. Once I got that part in Saturday Night Fever for six months every single day, I trained and trained because that was the moral code at the time. I already knew the New Jersey Brooklyn motto. I knew the character, but I needed to become this dancer. Need to become was, the dancer. This is when he really kicks into the gear with his dancing. Right after that, boom, boom, one-two punch. This is like him taking over the world. He plays Danny Zuko in Greece in 1978. Livia Newton-John said, John was charming and really wanted me to do it, and that was one of the deciding factors for her getting the role. He's a lovely man. We became great friends, and he was very helpful to me on set as I was not an experienced actress. She was mortified, by the way, at the idea of playing a high school girl because she yes. was quite a bit older. They like, and made was- her, didn't she like force them to have a screen test of her because she wanted to make sure she didn't look too old for the part? It was, and it, it seemed to be Travolta really enthusiastic about her uh, being a part of the film and, and getting in there. And great choice. I, I couldn't imagine that role not being Olivia Newton John. I oh, can only yeah. imagine. If the, the only other person I can imagine is Michelle Pfeiffer. Which, yeah, which, like, and unfortunately, <laughs> I don't, I will never get how Grease 2 is such a flop because I really, truly, I like Grease 2 more than I like regular Grease. I think that's becoming an emerging narrative from a lot of people. Yes, it's great. And then, of course, the film you haven't seen, Urban Cowboy in 1980. But I do love Deborah Winger, though. So I didn't even realize that it was Deborah Winger in it, and that's like her first big movie. And I was like, oh, my God, my God, I want to see them kiss. Especially because I am way into the cowboy look. So yes, yes, please. And that was when John Travolta was at his hottest. And this is the thing, too. If you notice, Saturday Night Fever, like huge part of popularizing the disco craze. Grease, huge part in repopularizing like the 50s kind of nostalgia thing, you know? And then Urban Cowboy bringing Country West to the forefront. Travolta is now what we would call today a major influencer. He is like on the head of all these giant trends in America and all over the world. This is probably the, even with Pulp Fiction and everything and all the stuff that happened in the 90s, I I still don't think you can get bigger 
than Travolta in the 70s in terms no way. of uh, for his career. I, I think this is just like you're setting trends. You're this it guy. You're the lead of all these like great and very different movies. And also on top of it, every like every romantic lead he was in the movie with completely fell in love with him. And oh, yeah. it, he was known for being such a hard worker. In fact, even in Urban Cowboy, he didn't want to use a, a stunt double. So he did all of the stunts himself, including had a mechanical bull installed in his own home Hell two yeah. months before shooting. And he brought in this, like, a super stuntman, and his name was Chris Howell, who taught him, like, he, like, trained him every single day wow. so that he could do all the stunts himself. That's awesome. Yeah, man. And just getting jacked doing yes. that, too. Like, just in the best shape ever, yada, yada, yada. So how the fuck did he turn out in the 80s? Big major downturn for him. This is going to be his first huge low since before his career began. Yeah, it, it, it was a series of failures. I don't even know these movies. Two of a kind with Olivia Newton-John. Do you remember that one? I did not see that one, but I saw it in this. Uh, you know, in going through all this stuff. Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis. Don't know it. What is that movie? I have never even heard of that. That's how big of a flop this is. This is, by the way, the biggest fucking name out there, and I've never even heard of the follow-ups after Urban Cowboy. And then this movie I do know, but only as one of the worst movies ever made. So now, actually, he's he's in two of the notable worst movies ever made. Staying Alive, the terrible sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Did you see... Wait, you saw... You haven't seen Saturday Night Fever, but you've seen Staying Alive? I've seen, like, parts of it. I've seen it on shows where they talk about, like, the worst movies. Like, gotcha, it's on gotcha. the lit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just known to be... Well, I mean, I definitely I, said this somewhere in these notes where it's like, he's, he's won more golden raspberries like the bad uh movie yep. awards and he has Razzies. any other award the razzies yeah 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 golden raspberry is very funny if you've never heard of it before just look into it i mean i feel kind of bad because it's kind of like it's just shitting on bad movies but it is also funny um uh, shout out to halle berry by the way who actually showed up and accepted her razzie in person for catwoman good for her look up that acceptance speech online it is hilarious she Ooh, is such a great up. sport she's just laughing her ass off the whole time talking about how fucking terrible the movie is because she like, knows because that's the thing especially if you know how but like i think what the emoji movie won last year i feel like yeah. everybody kind of knew the emoji yeah. movie is not going to be groundbreaking. Right, right. And 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 by the way, and if you also, uh, speaking of Catwoman, I know this is getting completely off topic. If you haven't seen the basketball scene in Catwoman, you prepare yourself for one of the worst movie moments ever made. It is so uncomfortable. It's like a bunch of kids watching her play basketball That's sexily with this guy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I saw that movie great. in the theater for some reason. I think what? It's just because I loved Catwoman, and I was like, well, I mean... It's Halle Berry, and Halle Berry's really sexy. I love Catwoman, yeah. so I'll go see it. I think she won. Didn't she win the Oscar the same year? It was I something crazy so. it was like something that. something like that. For yeah, Monsters Ball. Um, so around this time, by the way. Oh, oh, Vinny does have a bit of. He does. So the problem is these aren't really looked at as like great movies, great films. Right. But the Look Who's Talking movies were a nice little pocket of success for him, even though it wasn't necessarily. Like he still wasn't re-legitimized. Like he was going to be re-legitimized by Pulp Fiction. No, but Look Who's Talking was definitely like the first commercially successful film he had been in since Staying Alive. Yes, or Urban Cowboy, right? Yeah. I think that was 1980. And so that, yeah, it's, it's and 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 also, um, oh, oh, I was just going to ask you, do you think uh, they hold up? Do the Look Who's Talking movies hold up? I actually probably think that they do. 
I would definitely watch it again. I loved Kirstie Alley in it too. And also Kirstie Alley said that she definitely was completely in love with John Travolta while shooting those films. But Mm. she was married and he was married, so they both just didn't act on it. Right, right. But she's another Scientology head, so. And she's another like, woo, So around this time, he married actress Kelly Preston. Uh, yeah, they were on the film. Uh, they were doing a film together called The Experts, which is another movie I have not heard of. Have not heard of it. And they were also in, uh, she was actually, this is, again, why I think that he's pansexual. Uh, or, or something, yes, yeah, what he yeah, plays. Yeah. His flutes. The flute with the goat hooves. Kelly Preston was married to someone else when they were shooting this movie, and he was very, like, they were very into each other. And after the movie, she gets a divorce, he waited for her, and then he almost, like, immediately proposed. Interesting. Or do you think it was just, because it's just, there's a difference between him and Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, they are contracts. There's, Tom Cruise, it feels very contractual. I think it is. Pr- it's proven that there are contracts. Linked. I think Jantra is a little bit has a little bit more. He seems to just have a he bit has more, more heart. heart. Yeah, going on. He's got. And a I think bit he's more. more just a little bit scared of of what is on the inside because he's never been able to really truly confront himself. Right. At all, and of course, this is all speculation. I just I see him as a person. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that you don't. He seems very as much with as much heart as he's got. You know, he's also so closed off. I feel like you never really like you never really see him talk super openly. But I think about, it's because he doesn't I don't think he can. You know what I mean? Like I think that like you start that young of an age and coming from a such an artistic entertainment business family that you are taught that you just like you are the business. Like, you you work for you. You have to, like, present yourself in such a certain way because he never wanted people in his life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. But again, it's all speculation. It is around this time, there is a Time Magazine cover story that came out called The Thriving Cult of Greed and Power, which alleged that John Travolta was wary of leaving the faith because he feared the church would publish detailed revelations of his private life including his homosexual behavior See? and this is it is speculated that this was used as a bit of a chip to keep him a part of a part of the the, the business of Scientology I mean which will make sense in what ends up happening but we won't get there quite yet because we all know about what happened and everything else but still this was later reiterated by Scientology defectors in Lawrence Wright's book Going Clear Scientology Hollywood and the Prison of Belief Yes. Very interesting stuff going on there. And again, there's so much stuff behind the curtain. This is the Wizard of Oz of celebrity stories. There's so much going on behind the curtain that we will not be, cannot be revealed to us. Well, then that's that's the whole thing, too, where I wonder if Scientology must have had something to do with the fact that not only did he turn down the roles, the lead male roles in American Gigolo and in Officer and a Gentleman, which both those parts went to Richard Gere. But he was also told to turn down the lead male role in Splash, which Tom Hanks ended up getting. Jesus. And then again, was he was offered the role of Forrest Gump, and he also turned that down. Oh, man. I didn't know about Forrest Gump. I was wondering when you were like, oh, we'll get to Forrest Gump. Yeah, like, because I was reading through that. I was wow. like, what? Because it has to have something. I don't know what. But it has to have something to do with Scientology about those four huge movies that he was not allowed to say yes to. So he is in this rut. 
He is in this just terrible. The 80s just sucked for Jantra, just in general, career-wise at least. Maybe he had some good times. He got married, whatever. Love is real, whatever. But it's not till the <laughs> 90s when John, when, when John Travolta takes a step in a new direction with his career. Mike Simpson said, uh, who was John Travolta's agent, John Travolta was at, at that time as cold as they get. He was less than zero. Ouch. They were barely able to get him cast in Pulp Fiction because shithead Harvey Weinstein didn't want him in. Uh, it took a lot of convincing. Uh, uh, Tarantino always wanted him. He spent time uh, with heroin addicts to prepare for his role. Um, it, it was, you know, like all, all over, like literally like going to Skid Row and stuff like that. Uh, and Pulp Fiction is, if you weren't around for when that movie dropped, Pulp Fiction was this massive cultural revolution in film. I remember oh, like yeah. no, like everyone was talking about it when that movie went into theater. I was in high school and I was like, I wasn't one of the cool kids who went and saw it in the theater. I was almost a little afraid of the movie based on some of the stuff I had heard about it. Now, I didn't see it till Blockbuster when I rented it. I, I wasn't old enough to actually see it in the theater, but I had a couple of cool kid friends who their parents let them like go with them to see it. But man, that movie changed everything. And I remember even not knowing that John Travolta had been going through a slump in the 1980s. I just remember how huge of a story it was mm-hmm. that he was back, that he had returned. Yeah, it was a. It was like Pulp Fiction, this groundbreaking industry-changing film. That was number one story. But the number two story was John Travolta makes this huge comeback in this movie. Up to being nominated for the Best Actor Oscar. And just all this, like, I mean, you know, and and their time is just like, he was worried. He was like, I don't don't know if I should be shooting heroin and doing all this crazy stuff. And, you know, know, he went back and forth on it. Um, but it, it ended up deciding finally to just go for it and take this big risk. I mean, you can't think of uh, Pulp Fiction without John Travolta. He's such a massively important part of that film. He's also amazing in it. I would love to see the kind of work that he did in Pulp Fiction that caliber again, you yeah. know? Because I don't think we've ever quite seen it. Maybe Face Off, you could argue Face Off. I he mean, does, he is he's incredible. amazing in Face And by Off. the way... This is what launches that part of his career. Get yeah. Shorty, Broken Arrow, Face Off, and of course, the supernatural classic drama film, Man. Phenomenon. Oh, God. <laughs> and also, but then this is the problem, though, is then he got too big of a head. Yeah. It, like, I, I he Literally, I think his head actually physically got, got bigger, bigger. Got three sizes that day. <laughs> because if you're going to make a Battlefield Earth, how dare you ask? He asked for $20 million yes. to make Michael. Yes. Like, Michael is not a good movie. No. Neither no. is a phenomenon. But then that was the thing, is that you can't have it all. You can't also use your, like, your little, not little, I mean huge comeback to use your success to finally make Battlefield Earth, which <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard himself had asked John Travolta to make which, back in 1982 19, yes it was, it's been a dream project for Travolta since then essentially Hubbard was like I really want you to adapt this into a film obviously Hubbard is pretty much like a god to Travolta uh, being the head of Scientology 
Uh, he described the book in interviews Travolta did as like Pulp Fiction in the year 3000 and also as like Star Wars only better. That um, is not true. Uh, John Travolta said, Battlefield Earth is the pinnacle of using my power for something. I told my manager, if we can't do the things now that we want to do, what good is the power? Let's test it and try to get things done that we believe in. Well, and also I love too that Scientology is like, we have nothing to do with the movie he is doing this uh, of his own volition and yet it happened the release date happened to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the release of hubbard scientology book dianetics interesting how interesting. that happens that's all uh, by the way this is the year 2000 just marking the 2000s with your downfall with the very in the very first year he first had to deal with MGM and then Fox, but both fell through, and the project was moved to Franchise Pictures, which was run by a former dry-cleaning mogul turned nightclub owner who specialized in rescuing what? stars' pet projects. His name was Eli Samaha, who at one point said, Battlefield Earth is going to make people in Hollywood take notice of Eli Samaha. I'm not going to be the laughing stock anymore. <laughs> It is considered one of the worst films ever. Uh, the ever winner of seven made. Razzies. I don't know if you've ever watched Battlefield Earth. Have you seen it? I actually, Henry and I sat, and I have seen Battlefield Earth. It is And atrocious. we watched it again last yeah. year because we were trying to show it to Natalie, and we're like, swear, swear. Like, it's, it's bad, but, like, you should watch it because it's hilariously bad. But the thing is, you hit hour two, and yeah. then you realize, oh, we have another hour and change left, yeah, and it was just like we couldn't keep watching. I couldn't, I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, it is so just. I haven't seen all of it. I've seen a lot of clips. I've seen a lot. Of, you know, the done the whole thing, but it looks like also like a bad made-for-TV movie in the '90s. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it, the camera work is it's cheap looking. The the effects are really bad. You know, and then just the whole story. Because this is the thing: is it, Travolta's interviews tried to make it sound like L. Ron Hubbard is this like super respected novelist in the sci-fi community. But honestly, he wrote the most books ever because he just wrote a bunch of schlock. Because it's all sci-fi. It's just churned out the schlock. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. It's, it's just it's a terrible story. It's a terrible movie. Everything about it's just god awful. And they're big feet. Remember their big feet, and also and the just... way that their their braids hung down from the Ugh. middle of their neck. Ugh, it's, they look so gross. Like they just look gross. Yes, you know what I mean. And like a not cool, like in a bad, not cool way. And you can just see how much money was poured into it. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And also, he tried. He also tried to get Tarantino to direct Battlefield Earth as well, and surprisingly, he declined. There you go. What, what a shocker. What a shocker. So you've got your wild hogs, old dogs years here in the in the 2000s. Domestic disturbance, lest we not forget. The downfall again of Travolta. You also, though, have uh, a decent turn as Edna Turnbald in the remake of Hairspray. And I need to yes. watch it. I have not seen this Hairspray remake. I don't even think I've seen the original. I, I love John Waters, but... For some reason, I've never sat down and actually watched Hairspray. It's fun. I, yeah. I mean, I was definitely, you know, I've been, I've sang so many songs from Hairspray. It's, I would be dumb not to have watched both of them. But this yeah. is actually all during the same time with the passing away of John Travolta's kid. Yes. JT's son at age 16 passed away in a weird, it's, it's, this is bizarre. 
Um, it's just uh, a seizure uh, while on Christmas vacation in the Bahamas. So he had a disease called the Kawasaki disease. Okay. And it produced seizures. Now, the thing is, is that what was not released until after Jet's untimely death while they were on vacation in the Bahamas is that he was autistic. And he needed the medication. He, he needed his anti-seizure medication. But the Church of Scientology does not recognize autism oh, as a disorder. Man. It doesn't. Not only does it not recognize autism, it thinks that the treatment of it is is it, like the treatment of mental illness is against its ideologies. So they never were even allowed to say that he had autism because according to Scientology, it doesn't exist. And in relation to chronic illness, they believe that the only reason a person can get ill is because they are in some way connected to a suppressive person. And a suppressive person is someone who is opposed to Scientology. And this is what's so fucked up about it too, is he goes, he has said many times, how helpful Scientology was to him in recovering from his son's death. He said, I will forever be grateful to Scientology for supporting me for two years solid. I mean, Monday through Sunday, they didn't take a day off working through different angles of the techniques to get through grief and loss and to make me feel that finally I could get through a day. And so it is so, I'm so glad you did that work, Jackie, because I, I didn't understand that connection. It just smelled really fishy to me. That is so it's sad. so upsetting. That is so upsetting. It's so upsetting. About how, how a, a cult can manipulate you into thinking that they're helping you. Yes. When, when they're the cause of probably your most fundamental issues, you know? It is just so depressing. And that's why, of course, people are upset where it's just like, fuck John Travolta and Kelly Preston for taking their son off of seizure medication. But if you truly believe yeah. that there's no way your son can be sick, that this is a myth of a disease, that, like, that's terrible. I'm not saying that obviously it's they brutal. are completely at fault, but that's terrifying that a cult can get into your brain to really make you think that. Just brutal. So, uh, in on the let's move on to some lighter things like his piloting. Oh my God, he loves planes. He owns four aircraft and is a private pilot. As a child, his mother and three sisters, as we mentioned before, showbiz kids. They traveled often as theater performers. So John Tro would stand outside his house and wait for the planes to fly over his family home. That was what had got his first big love of airplanes and flying. He started flying lessons. Cute. In 1970, his estate in Ocala, Florida, is located on Greystone Airport and has its own runway and taxiway straight to his house. Which, um, isn't that insane? And he insane. Then, in fact, he got his pilot's license at the age of 22, which, like, that is difficult. It takes a lot to become a pilot. It is yes. a lot of extra work. Really crazy. Of course, he probably, by that time, he was probably, what, filthy rich from Cotter, so he could at least afford it oh, yeah. uh, by that point. In 1992, by the way, uh, he was flying and had a total electrical system failure while flying at a Washington National Airport. He had to make an emergency landing, and because of a risky air traffic controller, he almost collided with a Boeing 727, which is fucking crazy. That's I, and then horrifying. And that that would be back in 92, and he still like very enthusiastically flies. That's always it. a crazy thing to me with flying. The first time my plane starts like fucking up in a fundamental way. I'm like, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. Me, like, I did this here. for a while. It was nice. <laughs> but he really loves flying. Travolta said in 2013, I fly almost every day. I fly from a low of three times a week to a high of five times a week. I am really flying quite a bit. 
is playing quite a bit. Also, in 2012, an anonymous Masur filed a lawsuit against John Travolta claiming sexual assault, which Travolta denied, and the case was later dropped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, then in 2014, there was another pilot. His pilot partner said that they fucked a lot. And also, apparently, like, his co-pilot of, like, apparently he was in a relationship with six, for six years with. Douglas Scotterba, yes. And they um, signed a, an NDA at the end of their relationship so that he couldn't say anything about it. I just it. wish he could just be gay. I feel like he's definitely gay, and I just wish he could be gay. Or pan, or pansexual, but. Yeah, I guess I just, like, I, I was trying to look into the allegations because I want to, I love John Travolta. Yeah. And I don't want, uh, no one ever wants any of the allegations to be true, obviously. But it is interesting that all of them have been, I don't think that they've been paid off. A lot of them, mm. the, uh, what is it, when they make the trial, just like they stop the trial? In, in incognito <laughs> trial? In arbitration? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't know. I we don't know these things. Dude, I can um, fucking. So he's never actually been charged with any of, like, like to fruition with any of the allegations that have right. come up against him. But all that aside. I'm just happy, I will say, that you know what we got out of all of this hurt and all of this hard work? I think you might like it. Back in 2011, Olivia Newton-John received a Christmas card from one John Travolta that noted that the Songs of Greece made them the best-selling duet in pop music history, which made them both realize that maybe people wanted to hear them sing more songs. Yes, we do. John Travolta said, My desire was to make this Christmas an intimate album, not something too ostentatious or showy. I wanted people to be able to play it around the house or in the car during the holidays and make us part of your celebration. Gathering around the house listening to Christmas music was has always been an important part of that time of the year to my family. Every song is a cover of a Christmas classic, except I think you might like, like it, it, which was referred to as a sequel to You're the One That I Want and was written by John Farrar, who wrote You're the One That I Want. It is awful, and we love it. <laughs> so, But then that's what's kind of fun, too, is that the homestead we are just discussing in Ocala, Florida, is where I think you might like it was filmed. Absolutely. That's all the weird um, shots of families and soldiers in an airport is all shot on John Travolta's land. <laughs> also, this album... For, for an album that, like, was definitely a flop, kind of, or whatever. How dare uh, you, but It continue. features, this album features Kenny G, Barbara Streisand, <gasps> Chick Corea, Tony Bennett, what? and James Taylor. What? All on that album. Why am I not listening to the rest <laughs> of the album? I mean, it's all Christmas song. It's such a bizarre, and then, and then I think you might like it, too, being just this weird outlier that has nothing to do with Christmas, just plopped into this Christmas No, they mention album. It's a Wonderful Life they in the chorus. They mention It's a Wonderful Life yeah. once in the chorus. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, anything else you have to say about uh, I Think You Might Like It and the album This Christmas, Jackie? I don't, but I think that this Christmas <laughs> I'm probably going to listen to the entire album, and you you're going to have to hear me talk about it. I would love to. Uh, also, one last note for me. I just want to say... Um, in 2016, he was phenomenal as Robert Shapiro in the American Crime Story, so The People versus O.J. Simpson. I'm so very good. glad that he has recently done great work. He's still capable of great work. He's still an amazing performer.
armor. Like, he still has it in him. It's really more just the, the projects he gets attached to. I think, you know, he has some uh, questionable instincts when it comes to... Um, or Scientology keeps him in a fucking box, maybe. Or it's all Scientology. Or this, or this whole episode would be so different if there was, hey, he had never been handed that fucking book working on the devil's playground. Who knows? Or maybe he never would uh, would have gotten anywhere. Yeah. You never know. Although I will say, I didn't realize that, um, not to bring it back around to current times, we were watching Three to Tango last week, Pitbull's music video uh-huh. with starring a one John Travolta. But the reason why John Travolta shaved his head at the beginning of this year is because he was inspired by Pitbull. Very nice. Yeah, well, hopefully this will be a turn for him then. A Pitbull-inspired party Jantra. A Jantra that lights up the room, that twists around the room like that 15-year-old, or how old was he? Eight or what? Ten. He was ten. That ten-year-old, tiny Johnny that that twisted his heart away for 15 minutes on the stage while people uh, got bored. I gotta say, I love him. Yeah. I love John Travolta. And I don't want my love for him to be taken away. I do love him, and I'm inspired by him. (laughs) Um, all right, we did it. Our first ever history lesson. We did it. We, we did, did it. it. It's a long one too. Well, that's good. It had to be. Yeah. Well, there's just so much I couldn't. We could not talk about all of it. It had to be for Jantra. So I'm so glad. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm so glad we did this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Take care. And let us know what you think. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye. I think you might like, like it. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.